friends. I want to do a really quick podcast. I happen to be on a work trip where I'm all alone in my hotel room. And so I want to do a very quick podcast because I don't know that I've recently done any podcast telling people about the change in ecfr.gov. Now this change happened a while ago. It's been this way for months, maybe even years now. But um, when I first began this podcast, I would describe how to get to the regulations by going to ecfr.gov, Title 42, Public Health, 42 to 699, and 43, Subpart B. It's pretty much still the same. But I did want to do a podcast today to just uh, go over with you how to get to the regulations again with the way the new website looks. So when you go to ecfr.gov, it says Code of Federal Regulations at the top. And you still go to, let me go to the very beginning so that I tell you all the steps. You still go to Title 42, Public Health. So you'll get to ecfr.gov and it'll say Code of Federal Regulations on the top. Go to Title 42, Public Health, and then go to Sub chapter G, standards and certifications, then go to part 43, and then go to subpart B, requirements for long-term care facilities. And then one thing that's changed is you'll really wanna look at the table of contents on the left-hand side, you'll wanna click that. Then all the regulations come up again. I swear they change this around, they make it even more complicated to find, but it's so important that your dietary manager, that your activity director, that your infection control nurse, that your assistant director of nursing, all of them know how to get to the regulations that pertain to their jobs. There's 24 sets of regulations here. Um, And then when you go to the CMS website, that one also has changed a little bit, but it's basically the same. Go to cms.gov. And cms.gov This is where you're going to find the regulations interpreted. So you'll go up to the top, regulations and guidance, then go to manuals on the very left-hand side, there's a row of things. Click on manuals, and then you'll wanna go to internet-only manuals, and then you'll wanna go to the state operations manual 100-07. And then you'll wanna go to appendices at the top, and then go to Appendix PP, and that's the interpretive guidelines for long-term care facilities. So um, this is just how you get to the interpretive guidelines. Now, if you have something special that you wanna know about, like the dishwasher, what should the dishwasher temperatures be in the diet in dietary when the state surveyors come? Let's just say that's our question, okay? It's just like some random thing I made up, but hold on. So what I'm going to do is I would look here and I'd go, okay, food and nutrition services is 48360. Maybe it's with that regulation. So you could go and read through that regulation or you could go control F and then you could just type in dishwasher. I need to know what my temperatures need to be. She's coming. Oh no. (laughs) Okay. So dishwasher and I'm going to enter and I have five results and here it is. Wash at 150 to 165 degrees Fahrenheit. Final rinse has to be 180 degrees Fahrenheit. Okay, answer to my question, solved. 
So for every single staff mem member, whether it's the dietary manager, the activity director, the social service director, the assistant director of nursing, the MDS nurse, every single staff member should have a regulation. Like what I did with a facility is um, I contracted with a facility to volunteer. I did not want to legally be responsible for their survey outcomes. So I had a lawyer draw me up a contract. I am a licensed business, but I didn't charge them anything to do it because it's mostly just my goal is I'm trying to make a difference. So I wasn't really trying to make money doing it. So I just did it for free. And what I did is I zoomed in. I did Zoom meetings, and this is before COVID, and they had a pretty bad survey outcome. And so what I did is I Zoomed in with each of their um, their dietary manager, their social service director, their, um, uh, their infection control nurse. In fact, when I had a Zoom meeting with their infection control nurse, she was like almost in tears. She was like, why hasn't anybody ever shown me how to do this? Like, I'm the infection control nurse. Why didn't anybody show me this? Like, I don't know. I used to be the infection control nurse too. I don't know. And to this day, I don't know why it's so complicated. I don't know why no one has taken the time or the effort to simplify this. But what I did is I had a Zoom meeting with each of their leaders, like their activity director, their infection control nurse, their ADON. I didn't go through all 24 sets because I just don't have that kind of time to do volunteer work when I work full time and I'm trying to go to school. So um, I just did as much as I could. And it was so exciting to see their 2567 after COVID because they improved a lot, a ton. I was so proud of them just looking through it. I'm like, oh, I was so happy because uh, they did better. They did a lot, lot better. I was so happy because I think that it helped. I think what I did, maybe it made a difference. I don't know. Um, but <clears throat> I do believe that people do need to know about the rules that they're supposed to follow. They need to know how to interpret those rules. So that's why it's important to know how to get to both websites. So ecfr.gov shows you how to get to the simple rules. Um, those are the simple set of rules, the ones I just described how to get to on the new look of ecfr.gov because it will change. But the thing that doesn't usually change is the numbers. You know how I said it was 42 to 699 before their website changed? because that's how it used to be listed. And now it was like subchapter G and 483. It's still 482 to 699. It's just the way they have it all set up and the way it looks is different. I swear, it's so confusing. And why do they do that to administrators and DONs? It should be so simple. It should be like every nursing home has, um, and my son, he is getting his degree in computer science. And I've already hit him up and I've said, we need to create some software so that we just put the regulations in simple software, like the dietary manager, here's your regulations. Here's your quizzes to see if you understand the regulations. You know, and I'm trying to get him to help me to develop the software. He graduated from college in software development and now he's getting another degree in computer science. So, and he's only 22 years old. Like how smart is that? He's so smart. Anyway, I'm proud. <laughs> but, um, so I think it should be a lot simpler. I think it should be like so, so simple. 
Because when I worked in long-term care, there were days when I left in tears and I did not know how to find these roles and I did not even know what I was expected to do half the time. And it felt really, really bad when a surveyor would come to me and say, you're not doing what you're supposed to. I'm like, well, what am I supposed, you should know this. That was kind of the, there was this like arrogance in this attitude and it just, it feels bad. And I especially became angry about it when I saw a coworker of mine deal with this arrogance and this attitude and then lose their job and then commit suicide. You know, and I'm not saying that's the only thing that was wrong in this person's life. I don't know what was going I mean, I do know that this person had a very complicated life even before they came to work, but I felt bad. And I thought, you know what? We could have done better. We could have done better for that person. I don't care if you're a dietary manager, a social service director, everyone deserves to be treated with dignity and everybody deserves to be clearly told what they're supposed to do. So um, so that's why I'm so passionate about this because, um, you know, sometimes life can feel like, you know, am I, you know, I learned something about um, Nazi Germany. I was listening to this podcast. I listen to podcasts all the time. And um, this one guy was talking about Nazi Germany. And one of the things that, one of the most horrible things they did in Nazi Germany to torture prisoners in concentration camps is to give them meaningless work. So what they would do is they would give them a hundred pound bag of salt and they would just have them carry it from one end of a courtyard to an, to the other end. There was no point in doing it. It was pointless work. They knew that they were doing work, but they didn't know why. And it was pointless. It was just a means. It, it was intentionally meant to torture them. And it was horrible. When we're doing work and we don't understand what we're doing or even why we're doing it, it starts to feel horrible. <laughs> and, you know, I hate to compare nursing homes to Nazi Germany. But when you're being told to do something, like if you're being told to measure a wound and you're the wound nurse, and somebody, and this is a brand new nurse that's never measured wounds before, and you're not telling her why she's doing that, we're making sure the wound's getting smaller. Then if the wound doesn't get smaller, if it gets larger, we change the treatment. And here's the regulation, and here's why you're doing what you're doing. Not just get this done, write it on a paper, go on to the next thing. No, you teach that person why they're doing what they're doing. You teach them how important and meaningful it is. Because when you make people do stuff and they don't understand what they're doing or why they're doing it, it's torture. So maybe that's a little dramatic. But, and most wound care nurses would know why they're measuring a wound anyway from nursing school. But that was just like a random example I could think about. Or like the diet or the dietary aide that knows that the, the, the dishwasher has to be this temperature. Well, why? Why? So you have to teach those people why. You have to help them to be able to find the answers themselves. And more importantly than that, you have to treat every single person in their position as though they are the expert in that position and they're expected to be the expert. They're supposed to be able to tell you why. And if they don't know how to find the whys and the what's, 
They don't know how to find the rules and the interpretive guidelines to interpret those rules. Certain jobs can feel like torture. So um, I really hope for the success of every single person in long-term care. It's when I look at the people that are working in long-term care, I think, you know, a lot of times you're not given the you're not given the praise that you deserve. So, and especially as I've been out of long-term care and I'm not working the crazy shifts anymore, I for the first while I swear I had PTSD. <laughs> I was like, I felt guilty like about my friends that still were working and and when I had initially left long-term care, it was right after the death of my mother. She died very unexpectedly. And then I had a baby that was born um, right. My baby was born on July 13th. My mom died on August 11th. And I ended up quitting long-term care shortly thereafter because I just decided I wanted to be home with my baby. but And I wanted to have time to process what had happened. So, but during that time when I was at home and I was sitting in the backyard and there was sun shining on me and I was so happy because I was with my baby and, and I started to be able to feel happiness again. Cause for the first while after something terrible happens to you, like uh, the death of a loved one, it can, life can be difficult and very unhappy, but the first time you feel the sun again and you feel happy again and you feel like maybe you could do something again that's meaningful, having meaningful work is so important for everyone. And I don't care if you work at a fast food joint or you, you know, it has to matter. What you're doing has to matter. So um, I hope everybody in long-term care can find meaning in what they're doing. What you're doing does matter and you should have the tools to find out why it matters and what you're supposed to be doing and and to be able to interpret the things that you're supposed to be doing. So um so I so I wanted to do that quick review of cms.gov and ecfr.gov and I will talk to you guys next time. Um I will go back on this podcast and see where I left off. It's been a while. And, you know, the more time goes by where I'm out of long-term care, uh, the more I miss it sometimes. But then also, um, also there, you know, there are other things going on right now that I'm doing. So, so, and I did work in long-term care for many years. So, and maybe one day I'll be back. I don't know. I hope that one day... I have this whole vision for long-term care being a totally different type place to work where um, taking call isn't so burdensome, where the regulations are not so burdensome, and where people are well-paid, but but the way that it's set up is better structured to serve everyone. I did work at one facility where they had it structured pretty well that even when I was on call, it was flexible enough and it was good enough that it wasn't overly cumbersome or burdensome. And so one key to that was always having a um, scheduler or a staffing coordinator. So what they did is they took one of the CNAs and they put her in charge of staffing 
and they made her the schedule and staffing coordinator. There was a couple of them that did it. And that is key in taking some of the burden off like the director of nursing. That is so key. And taking the burden off because this the CNA doesn't have the burden of like coming in themselves. So they're not like when they're calling, asking people to come in, they're dealing with it in a different way than the, I mean, this is, this is the director of nursing on the phone trying to get somebody to come into work for him. <gasps> Mindy, is this you? Oh, hi, Mindy. Oh, thank heavens. It's you. Oh, I have to tell you, Sally called in sick and I don't know who's going to work the three to 11 shift. I just don't know who's going to work it. And I've been working for like, 15 hour could you please please come in no no you can't oh what what a halloween party no but a Halloween. you know and it's like that it's like that you're begging you're just like it's like life or death for you because like you get to the point where you feel like you're at a breaking point and you just cannot work more hours that day when the staffing coordinator calls they look at it and they're like and they know everyone's shift and like I would hear this CNA calling and this is how she would call she'd be like Sally yeah we got a 3 to 11 shift open yep and we're offering a per diem of $200 but I think I have about four other people that probably want it and hold on hold on hold on hang on oh yeah I think we got it cut oh you do want to work it Oh, you do. Okay, she does too. So let me call you back. Let me call you back in five minutes. And if it's still open, we'll have you come in, okay? All right, call you right back. Thanks, bye. That is how the staffing coordinator handles it. And it is savvy and it works. <laughs> and it's, you know, and she's got things up her sleeve all the time. Like she'll go to the, I mean, it just, it's different. It's just different and it works. It's just like there's a way that doesn't work. The begging doesn't work. The staffing coordinator who has no skin in the game when it comes to if this person comes in or not, it works so much better. So, and so anyway, I have rambled on way too long, but I have a vision of long-term care where the staffing is handled by somebody other than the nurses all the time. When nurses do have to work shifts because shifts are open and um, it's just handled in a different way so that it's not overly cumbersome and to where there's enough flexibility that you don't feel like you're being overworked like there's a schedule of on call and when you are on call you're being paid extra to be on call and you're fully expecting to come in when you're on call so on the weekends that you're going to be on call you don't work that week for two days or whatever or if you do, you work reduced hours. And then on the days you're on call, you just, you prepare like you're going to be working those days. And then if you don't have to work those days, well, you don't get paid as much. But um, <laughs> if you do have to come in, they were so generous and they were so good to us when we did have to come in. So, and it was, it ended up being okay. When we had a good team of, the our, our pitfall was we had a really good team going and there was one nurse on our team who wanted to be the director of nursing when the director left and they did not let that person be the director of nursing I was like okay you've just like basically put a bomb in this whole building and oh that was like the dumbest move ever I thought 
I thought that if they had just let that person have a crack at it, that things would have been so much better. That's still what I think. But that person ended up so angry. They just walked out. And then, and that person had worked really hard, had worked the extra shifts, had worked who, I don't know the reasons why. Maybe it was something with their nursing license. They, I don't know. I'm not absolutely sure. But we had a good team going and then they did not let a person be the director and then that person felt really slighted because of all the hard work that they had put in and if you if they're good enough to be using for all the hard work they're good enough to be the director so if they're not good enough for the director position don't use them for all the hard work so anyway one person right after another because then the on-call burden becomes greater when one person quits then now we only have this many people to take call and then another person quits and then now we even have less people to take call and there's no corporate support nobody comes to take call nobody comes to work the shifts the corporate people are there to um not to support you not I mean half of them don't even have a license in the state that they're coming to tell you what to do and they don't really help and then you know it's just not helpful. It's not, it doesn't work. You have to know what's going on from the bottom up and not from the top down. So all you dietary managers out there and all you activity directors and all you nurses who are working on the floor and all you assistant directors and DONs and administrators and just everybody that works in long-term care, good luck. And I hope somehow these podcasts are helpful Um, and I will talk to you next time.